You're listening to Behind the Hype, where we delve into the stories of artists who are making waves in the digital world, shining a light on their unique journey and creative process as we discuss key moments that propelled them into the spotlight. I'm Shay Connolly. And I'm Mark Conway. Let's get into it. Sammy Ariaga is a unique figure in country music. Born in Miami, steeped in Cuban heritage, and now calling Nashville home, Sammy blends his influences into classic country storytelling with seductive Cuban rhythms. His distinct style has seen him clock over 50 million streams and a following of more than half a million fans across the internet. Sammy's trailblazing spirit also extends into the digital realm where he's championed digital collectibles and generated over $900,000 in primary and secondary sales on his projects. His journey, beginning with the brave decision to abandon university and venture to Nashville on a leap of faith, is testament to his belief in always betting on himself. Thanks to our sponsors at Massive, we like to kick off these podcasts by asking our guest, who are you a massive fan of? John Mayer is a huge influence of mine. Of course, I feel like he's influenced everyone and their mom. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's one of my you know top three. Um, I would say uh, Post Malone. I think Post Malone is extremely talented, very young, um, but but he's got such an honest approach to everything he does. Um, and when you when you see him perform live, you can see him just get lost in the sauce. You know, he gets lost in the music. His eyes roll back, and he starts doing these funny dances, and like he just you could tell he loves it, right? And so, um, you can't leave out Michael Jackson. You know, he is yeah. you know he's the goat. Um, and then of course, you know, I love uh, Brian Adams from a singer songwriter standpoint. Like you know, me being a, a, a acoustic vocalist. Um, Brian Adams is pretty much like somebody I really look up to. And I listen to a lot of his raw recordings just so I can know how to perform in, in a room for 30, 50 people and just pour your heart out. You know, I just, just by listening to him, I, uh, it makes me a better entertainer. Sammy joins us from where he grew up in South Florida. There's been quite a few things about you that I think have a few traits about you that kept jumping out to me. Um, and I, I kind of want to ask you a few of them to see if I'm on the money. So the first one that jumped out to me is that you're a guy that bets on himself. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, I love to take a chance, any chance I get, literally. Um, that's kind of my feel in, in, you know, in this life on this rock. Um, I just don't like to to do what everybody else is doing. I like to do stuff that is only unique um and even if it's a big risk it, it just excites me and makes me excited to see uh what the outcome is going to be so yeah I, I pretty much placed bets my entire life <laughs> the the story that really jumped out to me was um when you messaged 
a, a guy on Facebook that essentially asked you to come to Nashville and you kind of just unenrolled from uni and, and, and drove there on a whim, not knowing where you were going to sleep. Is, is that sort of how it all began for you in Nashville? Yeah, um, I was um, I was experimenting early on with, uh, with Facebook, this uh, famous app that we all used to use. And um, it was during the times where we all had our, like our CDs in our glove compartment or our drawers. And uh, we would, you know, if you open up a little booklet, you'll, you'll notice like every song has its credits, its lyrics, and, you know, the people who worked on it, like the producers, the engineers. And so what I would do is that I would actually just dive in there and grab all the first and last names and type them into Facebook. And I would just try to find their actual personal accounts and just reach out to them and just thank them for their work um, for inspiring me to write songs and, you know, find the courage to just pack up my stuff and move to Nashville. And, um, I did that for like about 40, 50 people. And, uh, you know, I, I always think like, you know, if you throw out like 10 rods and there are 10 lines into the water, you know, one or two will bite. Right. And so that's kind of the mentality that I applied to this. And a couple of hit songwriters from Nashville, you know, heard my, uh, or saw my DM and heard some of the songs that I had attached to it. And they were like, Hey man, love the vibe. You know, I'm not sure if you're around in Nashville, but I'd love to meet you. And, uh, after two or three of those replies, I took that as a, as a sign to just pack up my stuff and go. And that's another way of betting on myself. I guess I just, you know, took a chance, packed up my car and moved to Nashville in 2011 and been there now for about 12 years wow. chasing this, this dream of, uh, breaking barriers as a hispanic american in country music and correct me if i'm wrong i, I did google it that's about a thousand mile drive from miami to nashville that's a lot of thinking time was there any sort of <laughs> doubt creeping in were you thinking what am i doing here where am i actually sleeping mm, honestly i've always been a nomad i've always been pretty simple a minimalist like i don't really need much you know i'm very much a hippie at heart um and uh when i moved to nashville i just had such a strong fiery passion for for the music thing that i didn't let anything stop me you know i'm a single guy no pets no no commitments no nothing um i just had my guitar in my passenger seat and i was ready to hitch the seat back throw on you know put a pillow on, on my neck and put towels on the windows you know park in a truck stop where other truckers are sleeping too i had my life hacks you know what i mean if you go to <laughs> if you go to pilot you could pay eight bucks for uh, a, a bathroom and lunch so you can uh, shower and shave and, <laughs> and eat a, a sandwich from from pilot i want to do a breakout section of the podcast just sammy's life hacks yeah right <laughs> that's yeah. Life. i saw that you mentioned um for sort of that first four to five years kind of um you know sort of struggling in nashville you didn't see any reaction from the industry how, how hard was that period for you and, and what kept you going Fortunately, the first few years, um, you know, the word hard is, you know, it's kind of uh, interesting because like it was hard in the sense of like not knowing anybody, but at the same time, I'm kind of a social bee. So I love to just meet everybody. I'm, I'm fearless when it comes to saying hello and just like getting to know people in the room. And um, by doing that, I was able to, um, you know, book a few gigs downtown um, on a street called Broadway, the honky tonks in Nashville. Mm. And, uh, they were in search for some acoustic 
singers at the time. Um, you know, singers that can perform from like 10 a.m. till two in the afternoon, nonstop. Sometimes these gigs would be like three, four hours straight of just me with my acoustic guitar singing cover songs. Um, sometimes sneaking in some originals. Um, but I pretty much devoted most of my 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 uh, first four or five years in Nashville to that. Um, there was days where you know somebody wouldn't show up for the for the second shift, and I would have to cover for them. So I'd sing eight hours straight. Just me and my guitar with a jar filled with dollar bills, you know, the good old, the good old grind. Um, but, you know, throughout that journey of singing in the, in the honky tonks, I would find time to, you know, get together with local songwriters that I would meet online or at some of these, you know, uh, get togethers. Like, for example, there's companies like BMI or ASCAP that host songwriter nights where people come together to just kind of network and, you know, share a drink and say hello to one another. And so I would just take advantage of every single opportunity and um, attend all these events and just say hello, get emails, get get business cards and write with everybody that I possibly could um, because you just never know who, you, who you're going to write a hit song with, right? So um, by doing that, I was able to expand my network in, insanely for the first, you know, five years. Um, and then, you know, I, I would meet managers, booking agents, you know, as I perform around town, um, and send my demos, you know, via email to different publishers and whatnot. They would hear my voice. They would ask like what, what I was working on. And so, um, you know, by doing that, it was, uh, I kind of maneuvered my way around, you know, it was a little hard, but at the same time, it was, like I said, I I love a good challenge. So, um, I was able to kind of maneuver my way around by just networking a ton the first uh, few years I was there. Another sort of trait that popped out of yours was authenticity and, and walking your own path. You, you obviously mentioned your Hispanic influences and understand you have Cuban parents as well. I'm just kind of curious how important that is to be true to yourself and you know how you apply it to your career given that you work in an industry that's often focused on comparisons and, and competition and, and sort of how hard that was to, to forge your own unique sound and path. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I didn't realize, um, you know, what I was going to face when I, when I moved to Nashville as, you know, a Latino coming from a city that's like night and day, uh, different from Nashville. Um, you know, the way they dress was different. The way they spoke was different. The way they enjoyed their, their days and their nights was different. Um, you know, their, you know, just their opinions and their outlook on life is different. I mean, everything I had to literally adapt to a brand new, uh, environment and um it was a little i wouldn't say difficult it was it was fun because you know it was out of my comfort zone um and i love to explore and learn new things um but i knew that if i was going to be part of a genre um where you know everything is pretty much inspired by similar things like you know family tradition you know trucks and beer and, and you know the good old when you think of country music the good old stereotypes right um but uh we all have that, right? We all have that in common. We all have a pet. We all have family. You know, we all have heartbreak. We all have loneliness. And these are all topics and themes that I really resonated with, no matter what kind of music I was raised on, you know? Um, but um, as a Hispanic American, you know, I felt like by me moving to Nashville and, you know, representing my colors, um, that it was going to put me in a, in a, in a situation or in a bracket where I wasn't going to be in competition, right. From a business level, I was kind of like a standout because of just because of that. Right. Um, and so I was proudly, you know, repping my, my heritage. Um, it allowed me to, 
you know, be courageous in my creation process, you know, trying new things with instruments that you would never hear in country music. Um, and it allowed my, my recordings to reach, you know, a level where, you know, a publisher or a label will, will perk up and go, what is this? I've never heard anything like this before. This is a really cool fusion. Um, and so it allowed me to kind of, you know, I guess, uh, carve my sound more, more than ever before by me just staying true to myself. Um, and it also opened up the doors for a whole new list, uh, listener, listener base, um, from different territories in the world. Like South America has a country, uh, listener market that I'd never heard about. I, I never even knew that Brazil was big on country music. And so, um, yeah, it allowed me to just expand my horizons and, uh, you know, even till this day, even though it's been 12 years of just trying to, you know, continuously break down those walls, um, you know, apps like TikTok and Instagram and even Web3 have allowed me to remain my, my authentic self and, you know, see success along the way for doing just that. Yeah, that's really cool. And I really want to talk about TikTok because obviously you've had um, quite success there. And as you say, built your unique personality on the app um what because obviously you've been in web3 space as well but what what's had the best response to your music has it been the local stuff in nashville tiktok or web3 where did you feel like oh wow this is this is really where things are picking up uh i will say um you know i've i've had great opportunities in the past before the tiktoks and the and the instagrams where you know labels will see a potential in the sound and they'll like take a chance, you know, letting me record a few songs and, you know, pushing it out to, you know, local radio stations and putting me on the road with like pretty big, pretty big acts, you know, like Sam Hunt and Brett Young and Carly Pierce, um, which are some of the few that I've toured with. And they were all great opportunities. Don't get me wrong. An awesome, an awesome chance to perform my songs live um, and just kind of get a feeler for these new records and just kind of let the audience kind of give me their feedback. Right. Um, but it wasn't until TikTok that things really started taking off for me that I felt like I was kind of hitting that stride of like, okay, I, I, I produced a sound now that people are resonating with. I'm going to keep pumping this, the same thing out over and over again, just in hopes that I can keep attracting new collectors and new, new listeners and new supporters. And, uh, we had a good, a good little stride there for about two, three years of just continuously posting on, on the TikToks. Um, I even joined the collective called the 615 house. I don't know if you, if you caught that, but, um, it's very similar to the hype house in, in, in LA with Addison Ray and some of these other creators, but you know, so, um, a good friend of mine, Chris Rudiger and Ashley cook in Nashville recreated it, but in a country fashion. Um, and they, they brought together eight different, uh, content creators from Nashville to create this collective and just get together like two or three times a week and just create a bunch of content for, you know, the, the, the social media platforms. And, you know, by doing that, I was also able to, you know, explore new territories and meet new, you know, new fan bases and whatnot. Um, but then I found web three. Um, and so. Um, never in a million years that I think, uh, some, such a niche market, such a small little world was going to be where I really felt the needle move for me. Um, but, uh, we've been doing this now for a year and a half and I can safely say that, you know, I am the happiest, um, 
on the creative side that I've ever been to just be myself and write the songs that I've always wanted to write without being at the mercy of like an algorithm or a label saying you need to sound a certain way. Or if you want to be the Latino in country music, you got to sound a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being able to wake up in the morning and not having to, you know, listen to any rules, if you will, um, is really refreshing as a creator. It's, uh, it's very freeing. And um, I just think that we're in a, in the golden era of, uh, of web three and, you know, it's allowing creators to just be real and, and win. So win, win by doing so. Yeah. Wow. I love that. And, um, on that web three, I guess I'd love to talk to you about how you found NFTs and where that all started. Yeah. So one of my good friends from uh, South Florida, he was actually, um, a, a collector of NFTs early on, um, even like dating back to like 2020 and, uh, I, I always saw him posting about it, but I never really took it very seriously. Um, but then one day I was scrolling through my Instagram stories and I saw his profile picture and they caught my attention. I'm like, what is this cute little character that he has on his PFP? Is this something that he created? Or I don't know, just like if it's a brand that I don't know of, I just hit him up and said, yo, what's your PFP? And he goes, it's this thing called an NFT. It's a digital asset. If you want to learn more about it, I'm not going to go crazy into detail in a DM. I'd rather take you to coffee and just explain it to you in person. And so he, he'd always been a very big uh, supporter of mine. Uh, we even collaborated on some music stuff, you know, many years back. Um, but uh, he no longer does music. He's more in like the personal training in the, you know, physical world. Um, but he's, he collects now because he just appreciates art and appreciates being part of different communities that uh, align with his uh, with his visions, right? Um, but he's like, hey, man, I'm part of this community called the Crypto Moris. That is the PFP that you see uh, on my Instagram. Uh, this is what they represent. This is what they have on their roadmap. Um, and, you know, by me wearing their PFP, I'm pretty much flexing the fact that I'm a supporter in what they're building. Um, and I, he's like, I think you as a music artist especially at the stage that you're at, right? You're still, I'm still considered a, a young up and coming independent artist. He's like, right now is the perfect time for you to create a music NFT where you can allow your, your biggest supporters, your biggest, you know, investors to, um, you know, take a chance on you and collect these digital assets, you know, d- during the early stages of your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, letting them let you're letting them place a bet on you. So if tomorrow, you know, one of my songs take off on the good old TikTok or Instagram, or, you know, a label hears me and takes me on the road with like Louis Capaldi or, or Jack Harlow or Post Malone, all of a sudden there's going to become supply and demand. People are going to want these digital assets because of the things that you apply to them, right? You can say at any time, Hey, if you hold my NFT, you can get, a meet and greet for 30 minutes after all of my shows. If you have my NFT, you can get a free vinyl once a year of whatever project that I put together. If you have my NFT, you know, you'll get a signed poster in the mail every six months. So you, at any time, me as a, as a music artist can offer my most loyal, honorable uh, community members um, by simply having these assets and boom, it opened up my eyes. It opened up my mind to all these possibilities. And so Instead of just diving in and creating my own, I decided to immerse myself in this space via Twitter spaces and uh, mm-hmm. different PFP communities. 
um, by collecting their NFTs. I would just go into different communities, buy one or two of each community, you know, wear their stripes whenever I'd pop into a, a Twitter space and show them that I'm part of their tribe, of their village, right? And so all of a sudden, they're way more excited about my music, about what I'm working on, because I'm one of them, right? Um, it's a very tribal effect, in my opinion, yeah. right? Um, and so I picked up on that very, very early on. And I'm like, well, does this mean that as a music artist, I could also build my own village, my own tribe, my own, you know, group of people that are going to be there, you know, at any time to, you know, to promote my music, to uh, listen to unreleased tracks whenever I drop teasers and like my stuff, share my stuff. So, um, it was a no brainer. And so I decided to dabble in the creation process of music NFTs. Um, four or five months in to learning about the space, I, I found a group of, of developers and artists that just uh, believed in what I was you know, wanting to put together. And uh, they helped me put together my first collection called Metagirl. Um, it was, of course, the name of the song as well that was attached to the digital asset. Um, and uh, it turned out to be a, a digital heart inside of a desert. If you look at the, the image on OpenSea, you'll notice that it's a heart that's kind of like stranded in the, in the middle of a desert. Um, and it represents infinite love um, that once love is engraved on the blockchain, it's never going to go away. And so that's what that that's the metaphor behind the image. And so um, I put that out February 25th of 2022. And it took us about four to five weeks to completely mint out uh, the collection of 1500 uh, units. And at the time, Ethereum was a little bit over 3000. So um, it was undeniably my, my most successful project that I had ever you know, pieced together. I think at the time um, in USD, um, we grossed a little bit over a quarter million dollars um, in just five weeks in digital assets. Um, just because I took a chance. I just said, you know what, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to place a bet. I'm bringing that back. And uh, and it just turned out to to be an incredible life changing opportunity. Um, it opened up my brain to a lot of more stuff, and so to continue that success, I created uh, a few more collections. One including the Pulse Pass, which is a free airdrop for our Genesis community. It was pretty much a digital membership card that floats pretty much. Uh, in the air and it, it offers you like merch discounts, instant whitelist for any drops that I do in the future or any partner projects, um, free access to any shows that I do in, in real life that I headline and also enable the polls pass to unlock that, that perk. Um, and then, uh, it also provides you discounts on mints in the future that I decide to do, which is what we did for our third collection, uh, called pixelated and, uh, pixelated is also the name of the song. Uh, that inspired my first ever PFP collection. Um, I knew that PFPs were the hot commodity in Web3, and mm -hmm. it was a no-brainer that I had to create one of my own. And so I decided to not only create a collection of 4,000 unique little pixel characters inspired by the song, um, but uh, I also took a chance in the studio, and uh, I produced the same song in 12 different genres. And the way that we structured the utility within Pixelated is based around the collection of all the different versions of Pixelated. And so, um, yeah, I mean, literally, I found the inspiration by simply immersing myself in different communities. And then I applied that to what I already knew um, and tying in my music with it pretty much. 
to answer your question. I do own a, uh, a pixelated NFT. So let's go. I, I am gunning for this Lewis Capaldi post Malone tour. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Um, so, is that sort of your focus now, Web3? Or, you know, how does that fit in with everything you've done before? Do you have to um, sort of pivot towards that, or is it a bit of both side by side? I think at the, at the beginning, um, it took a lot of my time, my energy, um, my attention. Um, because I believe Web3 is, uh, is driven by community in the sense of like being present. Um, people want to know you. They want to know the person behind the profile picture, the person behind the music. And so, you know, having a tool like Twitter Spaces uh, really allowed me to, you know, showcase who I really am um, mm-hmm. before even going, you know, to the public to try to sell something, right? And so <clears throat> I, uh, I'm very proud that, you know, people saw something in me aside from being a musician, you know, which is all I really showcased on the Instagrams and the TikToks. That's like the only side of me that I would only post about is just my music and my, my craft. But I never really uh, was able to show that side of me of just like my personal life, uh, what I'm doing on a daily basis. You know, there was times on Twitter spaces where I'd be, I mean, I kid you not, I'd be, in, I'd be showering and people would be yelling my name, Sammy, what do you got? What do you think? And I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm showering. I'll talk to you in 10 minutes. I'm almost done. Like those little moments of awkwardness honestly create a deeper bond with the, the person on the other side to think like, imagine if Post Malone was doing a Twitter space and he was like, I'm showering. Like, I'll talk to you in five minutes. Like the fact that you can say, oh, I, I was on a Twitter space and he, he was in the middle of a shower. Like, it's just weird, right? But you'll <laughs> never forget that. You'll never forget that. And so um, I'm proud that I'm able to be on that level with my biggest supporters. Um, and um, Web3 has allowed me to spiritually restore uh, my love for music and just everything that I do on the creative side of things. Um I think right now, you know, with the way the market is positioned and the conditions of everything at the moment, um, I'm seeing it as a great opportunity to take a step back and focus on, you know, creating more music, uh, focusing again on the IRL show with the band, you know, making sure the the live show is rocking. Um, Because I really do think that, you know, um, at any point, uh, a music artist that ties in Web3 tools with what they're building in Web2 and, you know, tying it in with like an IRL tour or success from a, from a viral song on a social media platform, that's going to just be, that's what's going to honestly uh, invite mass adoption into the space. And people are going to go, aha, I get it. And so mm-hmm. I don't think any of that, none of that has happened yet. Um, but I will say there has been a, a handful of, of case studies in Web3 of artists that have decided to fully focus on Web3 and have seen exponential success um, by leaving behind the platforms like Spotify, TikTok, um, and Reels and, and whatnot. Um, not saying that it's that it, that it's not possible. It's very difficult to to sustain um, everything just by doing Web3, especially with you know how low the NFT sales have been over the last six months. Um, but I do think it's a possibility. Um, but at least for me, I know that my goal is to tie in what I've already built over the last year and a half in web three 
tie, tying it in with what I what I built for so many years on Web two. Yeah, something um, something I said to Violetta, who we spoke to last week, was that this Web three sort of music movement strikes me as like a, a punk rock movement or like a grunge movement or something, and it's just kind of bubbling away beneath the sort of mainstream surface at the moment. I really feel like it's it's just going to explode at one point. I really do think so too. And, and the the cool thing about Web three is that there's really no uh, like I said, there's no rules, right? Anybody can build their ecosystem as they as they please. Um, I, I've, I've become very close with Violetta over the last year, and you know she's, you know, her narrative, her approach to the space is that you know Spotify wasn't well, didn't treat her very well. You know she's not a fan of the the algorithmic uh, hamster wheel that we were kind of at the mercy of, you know, with these platforms. And I'm totally with her on that. I think it's very toxic. I think it's a very terrible metric for some of these labels to determine who they want to put their millions of dollars into simply because of impressions and likes and comments. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that is, uh, you know, that, that should be a determining factor to decide if music is good or not. Um, but sadly, you know, um, that is like their metric that tells them like, oh, this is good. They're going to sell tickets or they're going to sell merch. They're going to bring in the money. Right. Um, so it's not even about music anymore. It's about who's got the most eyes. Um, but the cool thing about Web3 is that you don't necessarily need thousands of people nor millions of people anymore. You just need a core community of like a whopping two to two to three hundred people that really do believe in what you're building. And mm-hmm. they can be the foundation uh, of everything you're, you're working on. Um, and then, you know, they could serve as that tribe whenever they say, you know, it, it takes a village. They are that village. Um, and we, we saw a perfect example of that recently in Nashville. Uh, I took a daring chance of, uh, of hosting, uh, our first ever music NFT event, um, powered by pixelated, uh, for our most, uh, uh, loyal holders, the ones that collected all the necessary NFTs to unlock access to the event. Um, we call that ultimate utility. Um, and so those with ultimate utility or the studio mic trait that, which there's only like 34 in the entire collection, they were able to attend this event, um, on May 4th and May 5th, um, which was actually timed with my birthday as well. So it was a week full of emotions. I mean, everybody was there celebrating music NFTs, my birthday. It was also Josh Savage's birthday, which is really Mm -hmm. cool. Everything was just timed so magically. Um, and about 50 to 60 people from all over the world, you know, put, dropped everything and flew all the way to Music City just to celebrate this little family that we were able to, you know, foster over the last year and a half. Um, and it was a very, uh, a rewarding moment. Um, it was really cool that it was also my first event that I had ever hosted and that I was able to do, you know, something so impactful, not just for me, but for all the other musicians that attended. I, you know, Violetta was there, Josh, Emma uh, Miller and Ray Isla were all lovely enough to also attend and, and be part of the magical moment. But uh, I, I do think it's very, very small. It's very, we're, we're very early still, but there's, there's a lot of power in the small little space we've already cultivated. So um, like you said, once, once the floodgates open, it's, it's going to be bananas. It's going to be crazy. Just another trait that, and I think you sort of touched on this a little bit, another trait that jumped out to me from you, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, is is do the work. You seem very prolific and motivated and um, I, I saw some advice to other artists just saying write, write nonstop. I'm sort of curious of your process and um, 
you know, how you remain so prolific and, and stay motivated? Um, coffee, uh, <laughs> bananas, and and high sugar cereals. <laughs> that, that's Very all. American I, I, diet. That's it. Um, peanut butter and whole wheat bread. No, but uh, real talk though. You know, I you know when people ask me, you know, why do you do this? It's because you know music is who I am. Like I, that, it literally is my the embodiment of Sammy is is music, right? Um, and so I wake up every morning, um, you know, hoping that my music is going to serve as healing for other people. And, uh, I really can't get it to as many people as possible if I don't put in the work, right. If I don't go out there and post about my stuff, um, you know, host Twitter spaces and connect with people from all over the world to share my experiences. Um, and, uh, my family is also, um, you know, a huge contributor to, to my drive. They're the ones that really keep me going every single day. Um, and, uh, I just love, um, you know, just the other day I was tweeting something about how my, my brain and my soul is fueled by doubt. I love when people doubt me because it, 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 it like literally activates the super Saiyan in me to say like, watch this, I can actually do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, that's been my life for the past 13 years, especially, you know, touching on the topic of me being a Hispanic in a not so diverse genre, that alone is a huge, uh, you know, obstacle that I'm, that I'm facing. Um, but at the end of the day, it comes down to just creating great music that everybody connects with. And so, um, my, that's my ultimate goal is to just create music that everybody can, can relate to, um, smile to get through a breakup to, and that's pretty much it. Just con- music is literally my driving force. You strike me as very resilient. Do you ever experience self doubt? I mean, it's um, it, it's really impressive. You seem like you maintain a positive outlook through it all. Oh, definitely. Um, I've had some pretty you know vulnerable moments, especially in Web three. You know, because the space moves in such hyperspeed. Everything is you know based on FOMO and people dropping you know hints that this is coming, that is coming, this is coming. And so it's, you, if you don't encapsulate, you know, and capture them in a way that's going to, you know, hook them in and not, like not letting them go anywhere, you're going to lose them quite instantly because there's always that next thing that comes next. Right. Um, and so I'm just very thankful that, you know, even with this crazy market that we're in with meme coins and, you know, the lack of NFT sales, you know, music alone has allowed me to hook in my listeners um, via my music NFTs, um, and just simply, you know, being a Latin representative in country music, I've been able to attract listeners from my hometown just because I'm Hispanic like them. Right. Um, and so they have, you know, I guess installed courage into me like, Hey, I know it's tough. I know they're going to be, you know, there's going to be pushback because you're different. You're not like them. Um, but, uh, if you just keep going and keep showing up, and keep making great music. It's it's just it's going to cut through no matter what. Persistence is persistence is key. Um, and so I live by I live and breathe by that. And uh, and I'm just really proud of you know everything that I've been able to build thus far. And and I, I'm, I'm I, Web three honestly invigorates me to keep learning and and absorbing new knowledge every single day to apply to what I've already built. I am really interested in uh, your. I guess where you got your inspiration for your unique sound. Is there anyone that comes to mind? Yeah. Um, 
it's it's crazy because the melting pot of music that I was raised on um, is pretty uh, all over the, all over the place. Because I mean, I was raised on Latin music, so you know, there's artists like Mark Anthony, uh, Luis Miguel, um, Mexican bolero singer, um, and you know, bands like Sin Bandera and Drake. Um, you know, were some of the first bands that I that I you know gave me the courage to pick up a guitar from Guitar Center and learn their songs so that I can sing them in high school for some of my friends in the hallway. Um, <laughs> but then I started branching off and listening to like singer songwriter music, like Goo Goo Dolls and Howie Day and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and then I discovered country music, um, l- you know, later in my teens through, you know, thanks to LimeWire and, and, you know, they, they threw me the featured sound of the day was Bless the Broken Road by Rascal Flatts. And, um, that was a song that I instantly fell in love with. And it, it was also my, my audition song for American Idol, uh, season 10. I did the, the auditions one year and it got me all the way to Hollywood. Um, and, uh, unfortunately didn't make it past Hollywood, but it was, you know, it was enough for me to realize that music was going to be my calling. It was going to be my, mm-hmm. you know, what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And, um, I, so I stuck with country music and stuck with, you know, being the Hispanic in a, in the genre and moved to nashville 2011 and uh since then you know discovered artists like keith urban um vince gill man there's just so many great artists but i would say keith urban is a huge one of my large larger influences and you know ironically he's australian so (laughs) yeah um and i presume you sort of grew up around music i did say that your your granddad was considered the king of karaoke in in cuba (laughs) i imagine you had a, a pretty musical upbringing yeah. So, um, unfortunately, uh, I, I only met my grandfather when I was like two years old. So I didn't really, you know, have a cognizant, uh, memory of my, of my grandfather. Um, but I knew that he was, uh, he was the, the singer in the family and that's where I got my talents from. Um, but from what I hear from my dad, that he was known to, to serenade all the ladies in Cuba, he would just jump on the table and, you know, go crazy and sing all the love songs for all the local girls and, uh, but he never really took it, you know, as a, he never chased it as a, as an actual career, as a profession. Um, he just did it for fun, but, uh, that was his dream. He, he wanted to be a, a, a world, uh, a world renowned singer. Um, but Cuba of course didn't allow that, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't much resource and, uh, he was very limited due to the government and stuff like that. Um, and just like, you know, his family's health conditions and whatnot, he had to be around to take care of them and whatnot. Um, but, uh, I was able to pick up the torch from my grandfather. And so thanks to my dad, um, and some of my family members, you know, they, I was, I was able to continue my grandfather's dream, you know, through, through my body and my talent. So, um, his name was Rene, Rene Ariaga. How's your family, you know, how do they sort of view your career now and how supportive have they been and important in the process? Uh, well, fun fact, my dad is a bigger DJ than I am. Uh, (laughs) Really? Yes. Uh, he has two mutants, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. He is a straight up DJ. Uh, he's, he's, he's a day trader. So he's always looking at candlestick graphs and whatnot and loves ETH and Bitcoin and all that. He, He gets it. He's a forward thinker. And I feel like that's where I get it from. Um, my dad is very much an entrepreneur. He moved here from, from Cuba at an early, at an early age. Um, and, uh, he came here with nothing. He came here working for a cable company and broke boxes in a factory at night, you know, just to feed his, uh, his mother. 
my grandmother and uh, my uncle. Uh, he was pretty much the only one physically able to work. And so he had to not only, you know, work to feed himself, but, you know, his two other family members. Um, and then, of course, I came and, you know, made everything harder. <laughs> uh, but no, no, he's uh, he's my hero. And uh, he's taught me how to how to just be an entrepreneur and, you know, never give up and give it my all every single time. Um, and so that's why I approach everything I do from a, from a marketing standpoint. I'm always you know, out there, you know, waving my flag and, you know, promoting myself as much as possible because uh, we're always going to be our own cheerleaders, our biggest cheerleaders. Um, and he taught me how to do that my whole life. And so um, it's been really cool to, you know, to to live on my my grandfather's legacy and, and uh, you know, know that, you know, when my, when my dad watches me on stage, he thinks of my, of my grandfather. Oh, that's really nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it just really shines through how important sort of your influences are to you, whether that's your sort of family background and um, cultural background as well as, as your family. You can really sort of feel that flow through you. That's really cool. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's fun. It's funny because I've never been to Cuba. Um, my I'm full-blooded Cuban and I've never had the opportunity to go visit my, uh, my homeland. Um, but hopefully, you know, over the next few years, I can make that a, a reality. And what's next for you? What have what have you got in the cards over the next the rest of the year? I have my toes in a lot of different ponds. Um, I I love just doing a lot of things at once. That's the, the only way that I can you know stay awake and stay active. If I just do one thing over and over, I just like face burnout. Um, but um, I definitely want to put out an album in the form of a collection. Um, I feel like several other uh, peers of mine um, they've released projects with several songs within the same collection. Um, but both of my previous drops uh, that I'd done uh, last year were all inspired by one song. Like Metagirl was one song, Pixelator was one song, many versions of the same song. But um, I'm, I think I'm in album mode now. I think I want to create a full album uh, and I'm actually going to be daring with this one and go for the 10K approach. I'm thinking that uh, 5,500 of them will be airdropped to my Genesis community. Um, and then the remaining amount, which would be 4,500, I would, you know, approach it as a mint, mint process. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be experimenting with price points because, of course, you know, all the conversations going around about, you know, what should a music NFT be priced at? You know, there is really no right or wrong way to price a music NFT. I guess it all depends on what you're offering, right, to the person on the other side. Um, and so, you know, I'm doing a lot of research on that. Um, of course I have a, I have a council that I've put together of, uh, of collectors that have been very, very, uh, active in my community that have a say in what I do on a business level, mm -hmm. simply because of the amount of assets that they hold. Um, so they're pretty much like my prime investors. Mm -hmm. And so we, we get, we get together once a week, um, for these council calls called the galaxy meetings, um, <coughs> kind of like my little justice, justice league in web three. Um, and we pretty much run everything by them. We just say, Hey, we want to do this. Do you think it's smart? How much should we price this at? How many should we do? You know, so they always have a say in whatever I do, right? If it's creative or business, they, they they always have an input. Um, so we're thinking about doing that, um, a large collection. Um, again, like I said earlier, I, I really want to focus on strengthening my, my live show. I really think that's important. 
Because at the end of the day, you know, music NFTs are not just an asset that you hold in your wallet that if you hit play, you can listen to. But, you know, it's something that you can feel. Like it's like one of the few NFTs that you can actually feel when you're like in person in front of a band. You feel like that instant digital to IRL connection. Um, mm. You're almost more proud that you have that asset when you're in an audience and the song is literally taking over you and you're like, holy crap, I get it. Right. Um, and I've seen that all year, you know, because I've been crossing paths with Violetta and Josh and Ray. And just seeing people from, you know, flying in from all over the world just to catch 30 minutes, maybe an hour of music in a city that they've never been to. That is how passionate these people are that are collecting our music NFTs, that they're willing to go that far just to capture that 30 minute of IRL feeling. Right. Um, and so, yeah, strengthening the live show. Um I, I feel like Web3, you know, is very well known for, you know, touching grass. Make sure to go outside and touch grass and drink a lot of water. Um, we get, vi it's very addicting. We get very caught up in these Twitter spaces. We don't go outside. Yeah. We're always hunched over our MacBooks. We start building up that little hump on the back of your neck because you're <laughs> hunched over all day. Um, I think it's about balance. This year I put on a dry erase board one word and it's balance. Um, and so I've been focusing on my mental health more than ever, um, my physical health and also my, the health between my family and my friends, right. The, the bond, um, making sure that that is strong. And, uh, again, you know, making sure that music is still the core of it all. Um, and, uh, and leading with that no matter what. So I'm in album mode. And so I'm, I'm looking to, you know, pack together maybe 10 or 15 songs, pick my favorites, you know, find an artist that can help me bring the the visuals to life. And then, you know, of course, come up with a cool roadmap, a utility uh, game plan that I can uh, roll out over the next few months so that I can start getting my my core community excited for what's to come. That is cool. It's like a little support team. Well, really looking forward to your new album. We'll definitely Thanks. be Absolutely. watching out for that. Thank you. It's, it's surprising, uh, surprisingly the most honest album that I think I've ever created. It's my, well, I've only made one album before this one, but it's the, the most honest body of work, um, that I think I've ever created. I did not hold back, uh, lyrically. I, I, di I didn't name drop, but I did, I was very, very honest in what I had to say. Um, and I've never been more excited to sing these new songs because I could literally visualize everything that inspired the song. You know, I could kind of relive that moment, even though it was like they were pain, painful moments. There's some, there's, there's beauty in the pain, right? And uh, the fact that I can sing on stage, actually, uh, how do I say? Like when I sing the song, you can almost like hear the hurt, you know, coming through me because I actually live the moment. Um, a lot of times, you know, we write songs just to kind of follow trends on the TikToks and the reels. Mm. But um, since that's not a thing anymore for me, I just write with whatever's on my mind and on my heart. Um, you know, that's that's the result. You, you're going to get the most honest songs you've probably ever heard. So um, pretty stoked about that. Um, I'll give you a teaser of one of the titles. Um, one, one's called Kind of Feel Bad for Him. 
Ooh. Yeah. So what are the songs inspired by? You have yeah. to tell us now. Little hint. Oh, a, a little bit of uh, of Web3, a little bit of Heartbreak, a little bit of this wild journey that I've been on for 13 years. And, uh, you know, one, one thing my attorney one time told me is that it takes 13 years and one day to become an overnight success. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and so I feel like finding Web3 um, was definitely that pivotal moment, like the moment where I felt everything shift. And um, I'm just excited to continuously feed this awesome community of ours um, with just the music that I've loved to create. I know you talked about sort of starting music in, in middle school, and I, I did see a little anecdote about you had a crush, so that made you want to um, yeah. learn a song in particular. Do you ever kind of think back to when you were younger and if that person could see your life now and what they would think? Uh, I do. Um, this girl was super cool. Uh, her name was Jessica Perez. She's a, actually a good friend of mine. Um, we've remained uh, close over the years. Um, and she's a ins insanely successful entrepreneur now. Um, and she loves music and, you know, she still reaches out whenever I drop a new song and she's like, I added it to my playlist. So, you know, that's the cool thing about social media is that, you know, even though, you know, we grow up and we all kind of go on our own paths. Um, social media always, you know, finds a way to kind of bring us back, right. You know, creates an intersection. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's been really cool over the years to, to share my new music with her and it's very full circle every time, you know, cause she was there the literally, literally the day that I grabbed the guitar during lunchtime and, uh, and said, <laughs> I, I learned this song for you. And in front of all her friends too, I was like, I was very, very, uh, uh, into myself at the time. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, and uh, I did not hold back. And she was like, nope, not happening. <laughs> yeah. What was the song out of interest? It, it was just uh, a Spanish song. Like a, it was a Spanish love song that I found out she loved from another friend. And, uh, and I went to Google and just pulled the lyrics up, learned the chords, learned how to sing it and, you know, put my foot up and off <laughs> I went. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for jumping on the call. My pleasure. Heck yeah. I didn't even know you held the pixelator. That's pretty badass. When did you get yeah, it? Yeah, I've had it for quite a while, actually. Oh, nice. Quite surreal to sort of get more of the backstory. And um, mm. I think a lot, a lot bigger and, and better things are going to happen going by your outlook and, and drive. So it's really inspiring to listen to. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked. Um, you know, I wouldn't consider myself, you know, a, a big artist. But, you know, for the first time, it feels like, you know, the community that we've been able to, you know, cultivate over the last year, it almost feels like it's enough. It almost feels like, uh, like the, the, the thousand unique collectors that we've been able to, you know, bring together. It almost feels like it's enough. It's an, it, it makes me feel satisfied. Um, and it just, I'm just excited to create this album and get it out to the world finally. So. Yeah. Well, you're making a living out of your passion. So I think. Yeah. I think that it's very rare for someone to be able to do that. That's success. That's if anybody success, really yeah. asks, yep, exactly, exactly. When people say, what is success? That's literally it. Being able to, you know, do, do life on, on this rock every single day, doing what you love to do. This episode was proudly brought to you by Massive, building the world's most connected community of artists and fans. Head to massive.fan to find out more about their new platform 